Hi, Andy. Hi, Victoria. Today, we are going to be talking about oil, specifically the oils used in cooking. And our listeners may be surprised to learn that vegetable oil is the most consumed food in the world after rice and wheat and constitutes a $232 billion market. And the majority of vegetable oil are seed oils, which are really problematic from a health point of view because of their high content of omega-6 fatty acids, which makes them pro-inflammatory and carcinogenic. And also the cultivation of these seed oils is a major problem for the environment. So we have an entrepreneur and an innovator who's joining us today, Jeff Knobs. I've known Jeff for the past year and actually have been very interested and supported his company, Zero Acre Farms, which is making cultured oil. Well, let's welcome Jeff. Jeff Knobs is the co-founder and CEO of Zero Acre Farms, a food company producing vegetable oils made by fermentation. Jeff has more than 15 years of experience in the health and nutrition space and has co-founded companies that offer better quality ingredients, including the fast casual restaurant chain Kitava. In 2020, Jeff co-founded Help Kitchen, which connects food insecure individuals with partnering restaurants that provide free meals. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Jeff, your company, Zero Acres, offers a novel replacement to more conventional vegetable cooking oils. Tell us about cultured oil. What is it and why is it an important advance? I'm preaching to the choir here in many ways, I'm sure, but vegetable oils are a big problem. Andy certainly talked about this at length. They're problematic for our health and they're also problematic for the environment. One of the major reasons they're so problematic for our health is the types of fats that they're made up of. And humans don't have much of a history of eating those types of fats, specifically polyunsaturated omega-6 fats like linoleic acid. Those fats are unstable at high heat. They're even unstable in the bottle. They're unstable in storage. They're unstable under light. And these vegetable oils are also quite problematic for the environment. They're now the most consumed food in the world, and they account for about a third of global croplands. And as a result, they're driving deforestation and are responsible for two of the top three leading causes of deforestation. So it's been obvious to me for a while that something's got to change and that vegetable oils have got to go. What wasn't so obvious is what that solution was. And you had asked about cultured oil. Cultured oil is our first product and cultured oil is a cooking oil made by fermentation. And what that means to take a step back, you know, what is fermentation? We, we hear the word thrown around a lot, but most people may not be familiar with what's actually happening on a microbial level. Fermentation describes when communities of microorganisms or cultures, as they're called, convert the sugars in foods like cabbage or milk or barley into entirely new foods like sauerkraut or yogurt or beer. We work with microorganisms that transform plant sugars into healthy fats. And we call those healthy fats or those groups of healthy fats that come together to form an oil. We call that cultured oil and cultured oil is we think it's the, the cooking oil the world's been waiting for, and it's everything the vegetable oils are not. It's great at high heat. It doesn't break down. It's 
much better for the planet. It tastes really good and, and it can be used for everything. So that's our first product and we're really excited about it. Well, there's a lot there and I'm just going to step one step backwards and ask Andy to chime in because Andy, you've been advising people about the healthiest oils and fats to consume in their diets for many years. And I know that your thinking has evolved on this subject. Can you talk about how your recommendations have changed and why? First of all, I would make a distinction between seed oils and fruit oils, both of which are vegetable oils. Nature commonly puts oils into seeds and we extract oils from seeds. It rarely puts oils into fruits, but when it does, those are very healthy oils. And also they're easy to extract and so much better for the environment. The main fruit oil is olive oil. And that has a, a, a very long history of traditional use. I think it is a very healthy oil. It's one that I use primarily in cooking. The other fruit oil that's become available and economical in recent times is avocado oil. It has a neutral tasting oil with a high smoke point. I think it, both of these are very good oils. The problematic ones, as Jeff said, are the seed oils, You know, whether it's extracted from soybeans or canola or peanuts, or, you know, there's a whole range of them, but these are the ones that are high in the unhealthy polyunsaturated fats. And also their extraction is problematical because this is often done with heat pressure, chemicals, which further denature the oils. And the growing of these crops is disastrous for the environment. These are relatively recent introductions into the food chain. You know, I think seed oils really only became prevalent in our diets in the 20th century, probably in the 1920s. Refined soybean oil is now the primary one that's in all manufactured food that's subsidized by the federal government, which makes it cheap. And I think it's, it's one of the unhealthiest food products that's out there. I learned about cultured oils actually some time ago. Jeff, you'll have to remind me, but I think it might have been you know, 12, 13, 14 years ago, there was a company that was making cultured oil and it was sold under the brand name Thrive. I was very enthusiastic about it. You know, it had a neutral taste high smoke point, uh, all good, healthy, monounsaturated fat, uh, even had some omega-3 fat in it. And I tried to get this into True Food Kitchen restaurants, which were just opening at that time. And we began to do this, but the company producing it couldn't supply enough and then uh, eventually stopped producing it. So I was delighted when I heard that your company was picking this up and starting to manufacture it. Yeah. And, and that product was a really great one made from, made from algal oil. And unfortunately it, it wasn't reliable enough on the supply chain side of things and ultimately became discontinued. But we think that that method of producing oil using microorganisms has a lot of benefits. And while, while the product we're bringing to market cultured oil isn't thrive and is different than thrive, you know, it's, it's similar in many of its benefits. It's a liquid oil stands up to heat. It can be used for a number of different applications. And there, there are things that does that something like an olive oil, for example, doesn't. And we, we looked at you know, everything from regenerative agriculture, producing beef tallow to olive oil and whether those could stand a chance of displacing vegetable oils at scale. And for, for a number of reasons, you know, they couldn't. And certainly we didn't get into this mess because people are consuming too much artisanal extra virgin olive oil. But at the same time, th there's a reason that most restaurants, you know, even when they say they're using olive oil, are actually cutting it with something like 80% canola oil. You know, olive oil has a distinct taste and flavor. It doesn't hold up to high heat quite as well. 
and, and, you know, starts to clump up and solidify in the fridge, which whether, you know, home cook or your restaurant, you, you usually want your salad dressings and, and liquid oils to stay liquid when you prepare them a couple of days ahead of time. But to Andy's point, certainly of the oils out there, there is a distinction between the, you know, those that are most harmful for health, the seed oils, and those that are, are far less problematic, you know, and also have a lot of good polyphenols and antioxidants in them like olive oil. And then something like an avocado oil is, is a fruit oil that does tend to be a little bit worse for the environment. It's sort of like the palm oil of North America, but it hasn't reached the prevalence of, you know, of, of palm oil or, or seed oils to, to really make headlines largely grown out of Mexico and much lower in these polyunsaturated fats than something like a soybean oil. But, you know, it's typically in the kind of 12 to 15% range, sometimes as high as, as 20% of the omega-6 fat. And cultured oil is more in the neighborhood of low single digit, one and a half to 3% polyunsaturated fats, which, which is the reason it's so stable at, at high heat. And it's so high in the monounsaturated fats, which is what still makes it liquid, makes it very heat stable with, without, without needing a lot of saturated fats. The problem with these polyunsaturated fatty acids, aside from their instability and ten tendency to oxidize, they are pro-inflammatory, they're carcinogenic, they break down easily into toxic products. And there's been some controversy here because some nutrition experts who look only at the cardiovascular issue have said that polyunsaturated fats are good for us because they lower cholesterol and reduce heart attack risk. And I think that's a very narrow view that does not look at the larger issue of inflammation in the body. So say more, Andy, about inflammation, because you've been such a longtime advocate of the anti-inflammatory diet. What do these seed oils do that contribute to inflammation? Well, I think the polyunsaturated fatty acids are directly pro-inflammatory. And when they oxidize, which they do very readily, they form even more pro-inflammatory carcinogenic products. And this is one of the things we can do something about because your inflammatory status is influenced by many, many things, but diet is a major influence. And I'd say of the dietary variables, the choice of fats is probably right up there as, as the most important. You, know, you both said something about the environment, and I know that you both share a concern about the environmental impact of oil production. Soybean oil, as you mentioned, is really one of the most common oils that's used. And my understanding is 90% of soybeans in the U.S. are GMO, so genetically modified. And that means that glyphosate is used on them as an herbicide, which means there's a lot of Roundup Ready or another product like Roundup Ready being sprayed on our soil. And the evidence for glyphosate's harm just, just keep growing. Yeah. Glyphosate, I think that is the stat. And I think it's, it's upwards of 90% of soy that's sprayed with glyphosate as well. And so soy products, for the most part, also have glyphosate on them and it has an environmental impact. And and may have a health impact as well. There's an organization that, that actually certifies your product as glyphosate free. So we only have a few certifications that we sought out. That was one of them. So cultured oil is glyphosate residue free certified. And you know we think that's important. It's important to us. It's important to consumers. And it's it's not the direction that that most of the agriculture industry is going. You know spe specifically plant crops like soy and corn and, and cotton and canola, rapeseed, others. And it's sort of like we're seeing antibiotic resistance <clears throat> with the 
overuse of antibiotics. Antibiotics can be lifesavers. They can be amazing. We need them for acute care in many situations. But when we just give everyone antibiotics all the time for any little reason, you know, we develop antibiotic resistance. And it's the same with glyphosate. I think there's probably a time and a place where you know, we acutely need certain herbicides or pesticides, but spraying crops indiscriminately, nearly 100% of crops in, in some cases with this herbicide, I think inevitably you're going to see issues. And now we're seeing essentially glyphosate resistance weeds that are popping up that are like super weeds that are causing all sorts of issues. And as a result, now we'll just need a new type of glyphosate that unfortunately, but likely will, will do even more harm. Victoria, you mentioned that my views on oils have evolved and they have changed quite a bit over time. When I was first, I think in the first book that I wrote about health and diet, I, I've always recommended olive oil, but I was recommending canola oil because it had such a high percentage of monounsaturated fat. Then I began to learn about the problems of canola, especially the fact that large quantities of pesticides are used on the crop. Also that the extraction usually is with methods that denature the oil. So I then began recommending grapeseed oil as an alternative, which I thought was healthier. Again, neutral, if you wanted a neutral tasting oil other than olive. And, you know, this is True Food Kitchens. They can't afford to use olive oil as their main oil. So they began using mainly grapeseed oil. And then I was really learned more about, you know, how much polyunsaturated fat was in grapeseed oil. And I think it's probably one of the most pro-inflammatory ones. And I've been leaning on True Food Kitchen to get it out, out and to replace it with avocado oil, but that's more expensive. So it's been a long process. Uh, they finally have agreed to substitute avocado oil for grapeseed oil. But when I look at recipes in my earlier cookbooks, they call for grapeseed oil and I you know, feel bad about that. They'll have to be updated. But you know, when cultured oil becomes available, that certainly is my first choice for a product uh, other than olive oil for a neutral tasting oil. So what do we know about the health benefits of cultured oil? Are they theoretical? Have we had any studies done of them? Do we know, for example, how they affect the microbiome or this balance of pro and anti-inflammatory tendencies? We think that the best study for any food is human evolution. And if we've been eating a particular food for many thousands or hundreds of thousands of years, at the very least, it probably won't cause acute harm. And, you know, at best, well, are what allowed humans to become humans. And with cultured oil, there's nothing new. It, there's no new novel food compound, new, you know, there's no new type of fatty acid. When, when we introduce new food compounds to our diet for the first time in our evolution, it, it usually doesn't end well for us looking at things like, you know, trans fats and massive amounts of high fructose corn syrup and, and refined sugars. Trans fats were an entirely new compound from partial hydrogenation. Crisco is a new total introduced a totally new compound. Even vegetable oils are, are introducing these amounts of omega six polyunsaturated fats and unprecedented levels. Olestra from the 1990s was an entirely new compound that you know tried to trick our body to, to have the fats bypass our, our metabolism. With cultured oil, it's the same healthy fats that are in literally every other food. You know, just more of the good, less of the bad, and, and made in a more sustainable way. Jeff, one of the questions you'll probably get from consumers is whether the microorganisms have been genetically engineered or modified. Obviously, they have been to produce oil, but that doesn't mean that the end product is genetically modified. Yeah, that's right. It's 
a GMO free product. Cultured oil is, you know, there's no genetic material in the product and GMO for a lot of the reasons we were talking about, you know, sprayed with glyphosate in massive amounts, for example, GMO can get a bad rap. And, and I think part of the other reason is because it introduces these new foods or new compounds where you're actually eating that genetically modified organism, you know, putting in your body. And that may introduce a compound that, that we've not eaten before. And then there, you know, there are all sorts of environmental issues and contamination issues. So in the case of cultured oil, certainly it's, we use technology to be able to solve this problem. Fermentation is a very, you know, natural food production method. And so to the extent that, that we use technology on the genetic side of things, it's for the organism to produce more healthy fats faster. You know, there's no, there's no introduction of, of anything new or, or novel. So when will the product be available? July 26th on zeroacre.com. That's where we're starting. Eventually, we hope we can say, just walk into your local fast food restaurant and the product's available in you know, whatever you order. And will you be able to produce enough that we can supply True Food Kitchen? <laughs> yeah, it, it's a commercial scale. So you know, when we launch, there, there will be plenty available. It can be scaled way up. So True Food Kitchen, here we come. Can you tell our listeners what they can expect that the cultured oil will taste like? Maybe something about the flavor. That's a great question, Victoria. So when people think of fermented products and, and food from fermentation, they may think of things like kimchi and, and sauerkraut and, and tempeh and other fermented products with strong tastes. With, so cultured oil is delicious, like a lot of fermented foods, but it doesn't have that, that strong taste. So it's a very clean, neutral taste. Some people describe it as lightly nutty or lightly buttery, uh, but, but in a very subtle way. And so you know, th this isn't a roasted sesame oil alternative or bitter, grassy, extra virgin olive oil alternative. It's a clean taste. And, and so therefore it can be used in a number of different ways. Wonderful. Because I'm always looking for an oil when I'm baking that won't change the taste of baked goods. Yeah. And, and that's a reason that canola oil and grapeseed oil and soybean oil and all the others rose to such prominence is they didn't taste like much. And so they were versatile and could be used in a number of ways. They were easy to work with because they were liquid. So, you know, cultured oil is not a replacement for lard or butter or, or beef fat. Those things are solid fats, higher in saturated fats to give them that solid structure. And so for baking, you know, we're working on, on some solid fats to replace things like shortening and margarine and other solid products, but cultured oil certainly can be used as a replacement for the liquid vegetable oils in baking. Body of Wonder is produced by the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine at the University of Arizona. Internationally recognized for innovative health and wellness programs, evidence-based research, and clinical standards. The center offers listeners a wide range of free resources to live and maintain a healthy lifestyle, including online learning, meditations, and short videos. To find out more, go to azcim.org slash podcast. That's azcim.org slash podcast. I would love to hear, you know, if you have any ideas that maybe we're not thinking of in terms of how to, how to better educate and, and solve this problem at scale and cost is certainly one of them. You know, are there other, other things we can do? We, we see this big issue of seed oils that are so prevalent, you know, how do we, how do we try to impact change, whether, whether, it's, whether it's with cultured oil or, you know, or otherwise. Well, I would say most people that I know are unaware of the problem of seed oils. 
you know, they, they may have heard that specific oils are not healthy, but I don't think they see the general problem out there. And as I said, there's also been this, you know, a certain community of cardiology oriented nutrition experts who think that eating polyunsaturated fatty acids is good for heart health. So I, I'd say the main problem is education, you know, that really informing people about the, the truth about the harm of intake, high intake of omega-6 fatty acids and the nature of these seed oils that are so, have become so prevalent in our diet. And I would say a major issue is food policy, because as long as other kinds of crops are subsidized and make the vegetable oil really inexpensive, that will be a key reason why it's chosen in commercial food production. Andy brings up an interesting point about the focus on cholesterol and, you know, then trying to make the link between cholesterol and, and heart disease and, you know, ultimately death. And it's interesting, the reliance on biomarkers, you know, in, in the last century, we thought all polyunsaturated fats were the same. And then we learned, you know, they're, oh, they're actually omega-6s and omega-3s. And, and we relied on biomarkers to tell us, you know, whether LDL was good or bad, whether HDL was good or bad. And you've seen, you know, every, every 10 or 20 years, the stance changes as we get more information. And this is one of the problems when you rely on biomarkers as opposed to actual health outcomes is it's really hard to know what's actually causing the thing we care about at the end of the day, which is, you know, are people, are people living longer? And I wonder how that will change and how our reliance on those biomarkers and you know, these large observational studies that don't draw causative evidence, you know, wonder how those will change. But a lot of it, yeah, you're right, does come down to policy and, and education at the end of the day, price. I have one other question, which is, as a fermented food, is this a prebiotic kind of food for the microbiome? Will the microbiome be happy to have this new cultured oil as a way to expand the diversity and the health of the microbiome? You know, we're a bit further up the chain in that instead of feeding fibers or carbohydrates to our microbiome, which then produce short chain fatty acids, our fermentation process includes one where a separate community of microorganisms, you know, are, are fed these plant materials to produce fatty acids or cultured oil. So cultured oil isn't a particularly microbiome feeding food because, because there aren't any carbohydrates in it, but it, it's unlike the seed oils out there, it won't cause damage or harm to the microbiome. So through displacing the bad food, it's, you know, in, in a way, a good food, but it wouldn't be considered a prebiotic. And a question from a listener, fried food is such a part of the American diet. And this listener is curious whether cultured oil can be used to fry food in. Does that make it healthier or is all fried food bad? I, I think it certainly makes it healthier. And when you look at what fried food is, it's fat and usually, you know, something like a potato or a piece of chicken and some salt. There's no reason that fat of food and salt need to be unhealthy oils change a lot during deep frying and the more unstable those oils are the more easily they change into things that we should not be consuming and everyone you know everyone no matter what what side of the nutritional aisle you're on thinks we should be consuming less fried food and i think what we you know maybe haven't fully agreed on yet is why is fried food so bad it's obvious to me that it's because of the types of oils that most foods are fried in and if those oils don't break down so easily and are high in the stable fats, 
and you know that that fryer oil is treated well, then we don't need to feel quite so guilty when we have have those French fries. But you know the economics of oils dictate that they are not changed frequently in restaurants and fast food restaurants. You know that they're used and reused until the tastes of the oxidized products really begin to affect the food. So I, I think it's not a good idea to eat anything fried in a certainly in a fast food restaurant and possibly not in any restaurant. Yeah, that, that's a great point with eating out at restaurants. And you know, th- this is one of the things that's so unfortunate when you eat out is. You don't really know what you're getting and to, you know, to feel great about your diet, you, you got to eat at home. And it's unfortunate because going out to restaurants is a really great experience. You know, it's a fun experience. It's Andy's, you know, been an owner of a restaurant. I've been an owner of a restaurant. You know, there, there's a reason we did those things because we want to give people a, a place to go eat out and feel good about their foods that they're eating. But that's not the case at a lot of restaurants, unfortunately. And so, yeah, it, any fried food is going to have some some breakdown in there. So that the more we can prevent that, the more we can reduce the oxidation of oils when they're being fried, the better. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us on Body of Wonder. And I wish you every success with Zero Acre Farm and look forward to having healthier oils in the marketplace. Thank you both. Listeners, this is Dr. Victoria Mazes. We would love for you to send us your questions for Andy, myself, or for our guests. You can call us and leave a voicemail by dialing 520-621-3950. Again, 520-621-3950. Or you can submit a question by going to our website, azcim.org slash podcast. Again, azcim.org slash podcast. We will review your questions and try to answer as many as possible on our programs. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Body of Wonder brought to you by the Andrew Weil Center for Integrative Medicine. If you like the show, please rate us five stars, follow the show, and leave a review. To learn more about integrative healing and the center, go to azcim.org slash podcast. That's azcim.org slash podcast.